Welcome to the second episode of Flow Logic, where we're going to be presenting the curiously powerful wellness. All right. What do you think of that tagline? I think it's great. I know. You want something that's really kind of grabby, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm Dr. Don Casteldi. I'm Jim Watson, the construction guy. And we're going to be talking about taking a very compassionate look at mental health in the workplace and, of course, the people therein. Our goal is to make sure that we are helping people understand themselves and what's happening with them, and then ultimately being able to problem solve and make decisions that can improve the quality of their life. Exactly. When I think about this process and we think about the name Flow, why we chose the name Flow to be a part of this podcast, is Flow is this particular uh, concept. It's a state of being. We hear a lot with athletes, right? We're talking about athletes being in the zone or on the ball. Um, things are clicking, things are moving, and you, you have a level of focus and attention that's working so well that time doesn't seem to matter. And, and a common description is often effortless control, is a description of flow. And our thought has been that, you know, we can achieve this. It's not just solely for athletes or artists or people who are um, able to be in the zone. We can be alert we can be focused, we can be attuned to a situation, and as you said the other day, declutter the stressors within our life so we can achieve that optimal state of being. And I think at the end of the day, that is our goal, is to have this optimal experience in which we are constantly thinking about, how do I take care of myself? How do I have relationships that are not only growing independent of me, but also able to work well with me and be able to do so at a workplace. Because the reality is we spend far more time at work than we often do with many of the other people that we have in our lives, like friends and family and loved ones. Exactly. I look at flow state. When we started talking about it, I look at it like the days when I'm on the job site mm -hmm. and first break rolls around and it seems like I've been on the, on the job for maybe five minutes. Yeah. Everything's yeah. clicking, everything's safe, everyone's getting along. It's a great day, we're achieving tasks, Beautiful thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we need to get more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, we talk about wellness as being active wellness. That's a key aspect that we end up having here because wellness is not something that just happens to you, right? You have to be an active participant. You have to have that self-introspection, that self-awareness, and actively making decisions and putting things in your life that contribute to it. Even when we talk about flow, flow is not something that just happens. You can't have flow like when you're watching TV, right? You can't be in that zone when you're on TV. You have to be actively moving forward in a way that you are challenged that is exciting, right? Something's too hard, you feel defeated. If it's too easy, we don't even try. So what is that optimal level of challenge that allows us to be excited and have the hope to be able to move forward? That's a key aspect here. When I think about active wellness, it's also this piece where we have to be recognizing that, that we're in relationships. And not everybody, even though we're working on our wellness, is not everybody's on board. Not everybody's helping out. And sometimes it takes us to be able to educate people as to what we need and how we function best and hope that that person then in turn um, accepts that in our relationship. When we talk about self-care, it's not just about the individual. It's unfortunate self-care has the word self in the beginning. The research is very clear that self-care is important, but also to feel like you're a part of a group, a crew, a team, part of an organization that also believes in your wellness is much more powerful than one person just independently doing their thing. 
We want you to do your thing and we also want to talk about how we can have groups, environments, and companies also make that shift. So we're going to be talking about individuals, but also the workplace environment and how to make those shifts. And you've said several times that safety is something that you feel. Yes. You know, like you, you're attached to it. Safety absolutely is a felt experience, right? We can tell people that they're safe. We can tell people that we are the supportive company. We can tell people that everything's all good and I got your back. However, safety is something that is developed over time. There's a level of uh, structure, consistency, and predictability in which I'm experiencing safety. But it's also got to be this felt experience, right? So you can tell me it's safe, but do I feel safe in this situation? And so these are dynamics that are hard, and it speaks to the whole idea of culture within an environment. And trust. Yeah, yeah. Trust is at the heart of that felt experience of safety. And we'll talk further about it as we, as we move forward, but really it's our emotional brain, right? Our really our self-protecting, self-preservation, emotional brain that has to believe that, okay, this isn't a one-off. This isn't a one-off situation in which I can trust you in this dynamic, or you tell me that's safe, but then I go into a context in which you put me in an unsafe condition, right? It's a, this structure, consistency, and predictability in which I receive you and I experience you as having my best interest at heart. That I believe that there's a level of trust there. Even if we don't always agree, I know what to count on, right? I might not always like what Jim has to say, but I know what to expect from Jim. And so that's safety. We don't have to be like agreeing on every point, but I have to be able to understand the parameters of how I accept Jim. And if I don't, if all of a sudden Jim's like, well, he's over here today, he's over there today, then I'm gonna be walking on eggshells, right? I'm gonna be uncertain as to where things are at with him, and that's gonna make me anxious, and that's gonna have I'm gonna lack safety there. I'm like, yeah, we got through the day. I don't necessarily feel very safe with this guy. I could be having a bad day. Yeah. You know, and my bad day is causing you to have stress. Yeah. Because I'm not the same guy I was yesterday. Yeah. You know, I wonder if we should talk about that incident we brought you in on, uh, that cultural issue. Mm. When uh, the crews, there was a level of lack of trust mm. between management, the company, and, and the work crews involved. You talked about that incident um, that we were talking about the other day and then also back in 2012 or was it another 2012, issue? Yeah. 2012, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a really serious situation, right? At, at the end of the day, we end up having this organization that was working with hazardous materials. And let's just be clear that anytime you're working with hazardous materials or chemicals of any sort or you're in a, uh, a hospital setting in which we're dealing with um, viruses and illness and things of that nature, there's always a vulnerability of injury. Safety is something that must be actively maintained in order to be successful in those environments. So there's, there's lots of dangers. I want to be really clear with that in the beginning. We all hope to get to target zero where there is no incidents, yeah. but unfortunately it still happens today. Yeah. And, and that particular situation was, I believe that uh, there was an exposure. Mm. People got exposed to some chemicals and uh, the company spent an awful lot of time and effort to try to rebuild that trust with the yeah. group. But I didn't feel that uh, they weren't feeling it. They weren't really feeling that, uh, they weren't, their trust wasn't there, sure. the culture was suffering, and that's why we brought you in. There are numerous times in which I've consulted for agencies or programs in which that very thing happened. 
really good intention by the organization to put in as many safety parameters as possible. Let's have the debriefings, the conversations, let's do it. Great intention. So there's no judgment around what that effort was. Unfortunately, what tends to be missing a lot of those times is understanding the narrative of the people that have to return to work. Understanding that narrative and recognizing that human experience that even though you're telling me it's safe, I don't necessarily feel safe. In so this, I'm, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I wasn't with you when all this oh, went yeah. down. So I'm going I'm to throw the ball back to you because it's, it's a great story. Sure. I mean, so, so basically I'm, um, I'm at the, the, the organization. Um, a notification or siren goes off. It indicates that everyone has to get off the floor and they're gonna go in this lunchroom while they check this safety measure. Make sure that what's happening, um, that we can contain it or modify it or correct it, whatever that might be. So their mechanism, safety measures were working, right? And notified, let's get everybody off, keep everybody safe. Great effort by that organization. When you're in the lunchroom though, and I was trying to engage people because they knew why I was there. There was a big gap between the company and, the, and these um, tradespersons. So I started talking with them and such. And while I'm talking, all of a sudden that one of the um, company persons comes out and says, okay, we've been told it's all clear, get back on the floor. One of the trades guys raises his hands, not rudely or anything, confidently, but not rudely. Um, says, well, you know, what happened, right? These are the first few days that we're back to work, right? So what happened? And the company guy said, they told me it was all clear. That means it's all clear. Let's go back on, right? This is back to, you know, what your father said, because I told you so, right? <laughs> no explanation, I, I told you so. Um, and so all of a sudden there was a tension there. So the tradesperson once again said, well, yeah, I know, but I mean, it'd be good if we kind of know, right? If we kind of know what was happening there. And so all of a sudden there was this dynamic that was happening between these two people. Unfortunately, it was playing out with a hundred plus people all watching. And it became contentious. Uh, they were not able to see each other's position. They were stuck in this conversation. And ultimately the company person ended up leaving the space. And it was interesting, I was standing up on a chair um, addressing the group when this all played out. And all of a sudden everybody stops for a minute. They and they were trying to tell me how serious it was before that. And then all of a sudden the situation plays out right in front of us. All of a sudden everyone stops and they all turn and look up at me like this here and I just went, well, yeah, that, uh, that situation could have went better. It certainly could. <laughs> and everyone, everyone busted out laughing kind of thing. Um, and then it came, you don't know what we've been dealing with, blah, blah, blah. And so there was this whole almost roar of narrative that was, was happening, right? It was very cathartic. This release of emotional tension was happening in the room at that time around that dynamic. When we go back and we look at that scenario, we think about what was occurring there. There's a couple of things that could have improved it individually. And a couple of things that could be improved culturally to be able to remedy that situation. One of them, um, first is walking through, is all those people there that, that all of a sudden had this really release of emotional tension and were telling me all these dynamics. This is a key aspect. Have compassion and tolerance for yourself and identify what's going on for you. What does that look like? What's happening for me and what needs are having to be met in this sort of situation. A lot of these guys were not expressing their nervousness, right? They weren't expressing what was going on. They were just kind of saying, well, I kind of want to know, but not explaining why they want to know. There was, there was a lot of dynamics going on. There wasn't a, a conversation that was happening. There was also a missing of the perspective of the person at the company. You had mentioned to me the other day, how much was it like per minute 
of that thing is shut down? I think it would, at the time it would be about $600 per minute. $600 per minute, yeah. right? So now you've just asked your, your, what seems to be a simple question is going to take another 10 minutes here, right? And so this guy, the other guy, the company guy, has got pressure to be able to make it happen. Ultimately, he should have came to arm with the information mm. to describe what happened and how they resolved it. But it really, I'm glad that that happened because ultimately it ended up making the culture better with your health. Mm -hmm. But we needed to expose the holes. So the company spent a lot of money, a lot of training to try to build that trust. Yeah. And that's why we brought you in because I didn't feel that mm -hmm. uh, my guys were trusting what was happening. Sure. And uh, so it exposed that gap. But it really fell flat in its face because they spent weeks talking about you have the right to know. You have the yeah. right to participate and yeah. ultimately you have the right to refuse. Yes. We didn't get there, although, you know, that uh, that was getting bandied about a little bit. But the individual who raised his hand, which is a brave thing to do in front of 150 oh my people, God, yeah. Yeah. and say, I just want to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, yeah. simple. Like, yeah. what happened out there? Yeah. And the supervisor, if you look at it, as you're saying, from his point of view, he's mm -hmm. got pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, he wasn't armed with the information. He was just told to, you know, push the crews back That's out, right. out right. to work. Instead That's of taking right. a, a deep breath, he had a lot of pressure on him to just to move forward and mm -hmm. ultimately the two, well, the individual and the supervisor were kind of clashing on, yeah. on the job site in, in front of 150 people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the reality is, is that these guys, when he raised his hand, even though it wasn't previously discussed, you know, he wasn't like the, uh, the, spoke, the known or agreed upon spokesperson for the group, but he absolutely was the narrative that was going around in that room at that time. And so one of the things that ends up happening is, is that it becomes an issue between, you know, in this dynamic, we'll just make up some names, Tom and Carl, right? Sure. Carl's the, co the company guy, and then Tom's over here, right? Now it's between Tom and Carl, right? And very quickly, it becomes, from, uh, from, the, from Tom's perspective, Carl's being an ass. And then from Carl's perspective, Tom's being a really resistant jerk kind of thing, right? There becomes this dynamic. So this goes to our third point. Our third point is name the dynamic. What is happening here? Don't make it about this and Carl and Tom because that, that, let's not make it a personal thing. Let's not make it about you as an individual, but name the dynamic that's playing out. And the dynamic that was playing out was is that you're asking me to go back to work without any information that can help me feel good about that this is a safe condition. I know that you've discovered, a siren went off to indicate that there was a problem You've gotten some information that has been resolved. You've sent me training for three weeks that around all the parameters and what these safety parameters are. So what I'm asking for is identify for me what has occurred. And now I can decide how I want to think and feel about this here. But name the dynamic. Occur what's going on here rather than personalizing well, you're just being an ass, right? You're just being an asshole here and that's what's happening here. It's not about that, those individuals name the dynamic so we can actually get to the problem solving piece. Exactly. And incidentally, the two guys that were in conflict that both are excellent people. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But it just, you know, maybe the supervisor was nervous, you know, and extreme pressure to, to push the ball upfield. Sure. He may have known how it resolved or what the issues was, or maybe just can find the words to describe it. Again, you're facing 150 upset people sure. asking and now the spokesperson asking the question yes and uh, 
the spotlight was squarely on him. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know. I remember in the moments following that, uh, finally people went back on the floor, got back to work, right? A lot of tension. I ended up call, getting called into a side room kind of thing. And that first conversation was around stop work programming, right? Were you trying to stop this job? Are you trying to stop this job? It's like, no, that is completely, once again, going back to the mechanics of things versus thinking about that human experience. And so ultimately we end up having a, um, a meeting with the higher ups, right? It, which is great, right? You think about this. We're talking about a multi-billion dollar organization and they are inviting you and your role at that time and my role um, to be a part of this conversation, to have this discussion. And I felt for the guy uh, because he had felt that as an organization, they had checked every box to ensure that things were safe. And ultimately, the response was, okay, trust us again. Trust us again. We've put these things in place. What's the problem? What could possibly be the holdup? And that's where we started talking to him about this whole idea of that felt experience, right? Psychological safety. That I'm able to pose a question, to be able to inquire, get a little more information without being judged or ashamed or, you know, getting my head chopped off. There has to be a level of context here that allows me to have this discussion. And ultimately, um, you know, we were able to have that conversation and I think it made a difference. You did, absolutely. That particular project manager, again, was under significant amount of pressure to push the ball upfield. And again, I'm glad that that particular day happened because it exposed the hole. Yeah. Because they blew by the first right of you have the right to know. And that's all the individual mm -hmm. was doing. It was a brave thing for him to do. That's right. What happened out there? That's just right. explain it to me. They were sure. willing to go, but just tell us. Sure. And that's why we brought you on the job again is to, we wanted to reinforce that trust yeah. instead of having these two camps that are at odds with each other. And this comes to the heart of that fourth piece around, around culture, right? Um, the responsibility of, and the ripple effect of that scenario between you know, Tom and Carl, it's not solely their responsibility. It's also the responsibility of the overall environment and the company and the organization. And numerous times we have been hired to be able to help people develop culture, right? Understand what that narrative looks like. And while there is a lot of, you know, compelling and interesting articles that go into play, at the end of the day, you have to be able to say, how am I going to be functionally applying this information? How am I going to create a narrative that consistently is communicating this message? So I go back to this whole idea of structure, consistency, and predictability in this message. And so not only is it about you and I as an individual, how I can know what to expect from you in a, in a situation, I also need to know what to expect from the company and organization I'm there in. And let's be clear, this does not mean this becomes the yes program. This doesn't mean that everything's agreeable. There will hit a point where, yes, the position of the organization or your crew or your team, whatever that is, might not reflect you as an individual. You might decide to kind of think, yeah, that's not my narrative. And then you make the decision as to how you're going to continue with that group or not. And we have to have an opportunity to be able to have that voice. And that's how we create that culture. We create a narrative for people to understand that there's opportunities for this. I've been through companies that have whole 15, 20 person wellness departments. And then when you talk to them and you have a conversation with them around um, how are you addressing this issue, 
they're not really addressing it any differently, right? They got their, their boxes that they're checking, but they're missing that human experience. And I think that's what happened that, on that particular job site is they invested so much time, effort, and money, they thought they were good. Yeah. Then it got exposed that they weren't good, but ultimately it made it all better because they realized what the gap was and yeah. they fixed it, they did a good yeah. job. And, yeah. and ultimately we got the two groups together, job came off without a hitch and uh, it was good. You know? That was I was so grateful you brought me in on that job because um, um, it was such a rewarding process because everyone involved was once we started having some meetings and we had some clarity and we got down the um, once the egos went to the side right we we're able to have a really tangible conversation that we have a mutual goal which is everyone to be safe and recognizing how interdependent and fluid and cross boundary we were uh, within all the trades all the programs. It made sense. Like, let's have a common goal. Let's have a common narrative in which we're moving forward. And so it was. It was such a positive experience. Well, that, that again to that uh, to that one point I was trying to make earlier on about the PM. Mm -hmm. Like, he showed excellent leadership. I'm mm -hmm. sure he was angry at the beginning, but when he took a step back and mm -hmm. realized where this thing was failing, sure. he took a deep breath and said, "Okay, we need to reassess. We need to regroup mm -hmm. and push this ball upfield mm -hmm. and try to get everyone together as a team." Yeah, and he did. With your help, of course. Thank you. <laughs> the um, uh, just needed that gentle nudge. The gentle nudge and the clarity as to organize. At the end of the day, businesses are you know it's productivity, efficiency, growing of people's lives, and sometimes it can be hard to see how this can be helpful for productivity and efficiency. And the evidence for the power of it comes when that situation is not resolved. When that situation is not resolved and you don't have that, all of a sudden Carl and Tom are still having a contentious situation, you think about the ripple effect that occurs there with gossip and undermining and sabotage and all of that. It's, it's, it's powerful what that looks like. It, uh, it actually happened today oh. with two friends of mine. So uh, that very same thing. So one is a foreman, the other one's a general foreman, two excellent tradespeople. Mm -hmm do a great job out there. And ultimately they are friends. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna call one, the, the foreman, I'm gonna call him Mark, and I'm gonna call the, uh, the GF, Jeff. How's that okay, say? okay. And Jeff and Mark, you know who you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, Mark was in his truck and he was just lambasting Jeff, his buddy. <laughs> You know, he's on the phone talking about what a jerk he is and all the rest of that stuff. And Jeff happens to be coming by with his Scooby-Doo lunch pail and he hears it all, catches all of it, no. everything. Oh, yeah, oh, he did. Man. Yeah, he did. He caught it all. Uh, and uh, I get a call from my friend and he said, listen, dude, I was bad mouthing a good friend of mine and he heard everything I said, like yeah. everything, right? And I said, well, bro, I said, you got to you got a man up here, yeah. you got to walk up to him and apologize. But I got to ask you, why would you do that? Like, yeah. why would you, yeah. you know, you guys are buddies. Like, why yeah. would you cut his legs up from underneath him? Yeah. And he says to me, he goes, well, he's always undermining the team. He's always bad mouthing mm. other guys have had mm. enough. And I said, well, you reacted. Okay. But, um, you got to walk into that office and have that conversation, mm -hmm. you know, because mm. ultimately it's not safe, mm. right? Because, You've totally, like he walked in with his lunch pail, the sun was shining, everything's good. Mm -hmm. I heard you stabbing him in the back. Now he doesn't trust you. Mm -hmm. He's on the phone. He's probably talking to somebody. 
Right. You know it's not going to be good. You're, you guys won't be able to work together at all for the day, and it's not going to be safe. Because yeah. your mind won't be on task because you're worried about what you said about him. He's going to be mad at you. So, And all these people are depending on both you guys to provide mm -hmm. leadership for safety. And is it true that the... Um, Jeff, uh, the person that was being talked about, is in on the job site in a position of power over Mark. Exactly. He's a, yeah. yeah, okay. So that's even another added dynamic, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, really, I mean, from and you're the doctor, but for me, it just really undermines the team. Sure. And when other people hear you bad-mouthing other people, and I say this all the time, like I hear somebody doing it, and I, I, I say to the individual, I say, when I, I'm afraid to leave the room here because I'm afraid what you're going to say about me. Mm, yeah, you know, like, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. There's no trust. That's right. That's right. And my concern is that when an incident does take place, and we, it's marked down, mine wasn't on mm -hmm. task. What was the driver? Was something like that? Was that the driver? Mm -hmm. You know, you're worried about someone talking or gossiping about you on the mm -hmm. job site or mm -hmm. trying to cut your legs out from underneath you. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it really impacts safety. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. It does. It does. You know, it's really interesting when you said that. This whole aspect of. Uh, when I leave the room, what are you going to say about me? There's, you get a lot of times you'll have people that might find their identity being entrenched in, in gossip, the side conversations, having that. And we can talk about how that person arrives at that place and why they think that's a, um, a role for them, right? How they might feel disenfranchised by the organization or they haven't resolved an issue. We'll talk about that. But I also want to kind of bring to the point, though, is, is that a lot of times those people feel like, I know what's really going on here. Right? Everyone else doesn't know, but if you really want to get the scoop of what's happening, come and talk to me. You know, this kind of subculture of gossip. What they fail to realize is that other than their closest of friends that might know them in another context, that's what everybody's thinking. Well, there is so-and-so. Thank God they're not talking about me, right? They're talking about so-and-so, and so they kind of smile. You might kind of just kind of get your coffee and kind of leave, all right, so-and-so is gossiping right now in this space. You might leave that space, but what they don't realize is that everyone's thinking the same thing. What are they going to say when I leave? Because they just finished saying hi and smiling and had a nice greeting with so-and-so. And now two minutes later, now they're gossiping about it. And they miss that piece. They think they're in the know and everyone is in, has their back and is commiserating with them. And that's not always the case. You know, I think about, uh, it could be any industry, but for example, road construction. You have that very same scenario play out, mm. right? Uh, two individuals talking about each other, that are angry about each other, mm -hmm. and they step out onto the road and they get hit. Mm. You know, they were so much engaged about thinking of their hurt feelings, <laughs> sure. like, you know, they were hurt yeah, yeah. because yeah. of what was said, yeah. or how maybe they were excluded, or sure. whatever the heck happened, yeah. and uh, they end up getting injured because of it, yeah. because their mind clearly wasn't on task, and really over what? Over yeah. poorly chosen words, yeah. instead of like sitting down and trying to resolve the issue. Yeah. You know, it raises a, a great point. I think, you know, irrespective of, because a lot of, anybody's going to have a lot of justification as to why they think the way they think, right? A certain gossip narrative, but you don't know, he's this, this, and this, or she's doing this, this, and this. When you have gossip, even just from a neuroscience standpoint, right? There's a couple of key things that comes into play that we have to be able to understand. The first one is, is that when I have somebody who I have a negative narrative about, I'm now going to have a negative anticipation for seeing them. So that means I'm going to talk about them in the evening to my friends. I'm going to think about going into work the next day, coming in, and there's like this negative anticipation 
of this interaction. There's a level of dread. And so you're keeping it to yourself. That's one aspect. The second aspect is confirmation bias. What's confirmation bias is that I'm going to selectively see certain things that go, yeah, I'm right. This is why I'm right kind of thing, right? So that person walks in the room and, you know, they, they, they fart the wrong way. But, oh, yeah, he was directing that at me, man. He was trying to get me. I know what that. He didn't say yeah. it, but I knew it, right? Oh, he's and, talking about me. Yeah. I know yeah. Meanwhile, I, he's not. I love those lines, guy. He didn't say it, but I knew what it was. I can read between the lines. Well, the lines that you're looking at is the confirmation bias, right? You're not at all considering these other aspects. And the third piece so first we have negative anticipation, then we have confirmation bias, and then the third one is an attribution error. And the attribution error is what you're attributing to that person is that they are constantly this negative thing, whatever that is. Not looking at them that maybe I can attribute this to, maybe it's just the situation. Maybe it's a pressure cooker day. We got $600 a minute going on and they're feeling the pressure. And that's what it's about. It's not about this guy being a jerk. It's about the pressure of that situation. It doesn't mean you have to always accept and, and, and hold other people's experience. However, it does mean though, I wanna understand that person's perspective. I wanna consider something rather than saying this is a constant, I wanna look at all the things that may have went into why this person is directing this energy at me, right? Right, and for these two individuals, and it's kind of funny because this, this plays out job sites everywhere. This exact same thing plays out where you have two friends, they're working together and that divide happens and it goes further and further apart. And when I was talking to Mark, I said, listen, I would like you to go in there, resolve the issue, air your concerns, apologize for what you said, and then call him out on what he's doing and how it's impacting you. Because ultimately all these people are depending on you too to guide safety. And if you're backstabbing him, he's backstabbing you. No one trusts anyone. Culture goes into the toilet. Someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. And he, the ultimate for me was, he goes, yeah, 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 I'll do all that. But you know him. You know Jeff. He's not going to listen. Ah, yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, I know Jeff. And Jeff will listen. Yeah. Right. But um, is that confirmation bias? Well, it absolutely is. I mean, okay. think about that, right? right. Um, I'm going to say all that you want me to say. I'll do my part, but he's not going to listen, right? Yeah. You've already made a judgment, right? Exactly. You've already attributed to Jeff that he is not open-minded. He's not willing to look at his own stuff. He's not looking at perspective taking, and he's going to be negative. And this brings up a really powerful point that at the end of the day, we want to be ensuring that we are communicating and having a level of integrity of ourselves that's about us, not necessarily what we're always going to receive from the other person, right? So yeah, maybe he won't say it, maybe he won't listen, maybe he won't resolve that. That's out of your control. What you can control is to set your identification of what is the dynamic that's happening here. What arrived, what had occurred that all of a sudden I went on this rant about how much of a jerk this person is and why would, did I feel compelled to secretly go and say these things about this person rather than addressing it with him directly? What does it say about me, right? So what's my compassion and tolerance for myself? And then also, can I use some perspective taking to understand what's happening for this person here? When you approach somebody and you name the dynamic and you describe it, and you did a really eloquent job of describe, saying, hey, look, at the end of the day, it's not just about us. It's about our whole group. People are depending on us. And if you and I are at odds, it's going to have a ripple effect. And in a very short order, we could have these camps, people existing in silos. Exactly. Right? 
people existing in silos when in fact actually we're on a job site in which we're all interdependent. We have our different jobs, roles and responsibilities. Yes, we have our own lanes that we end up having and all these lanes are intersecting to be able to create something, to produce something, whether that be an environment of health, whether it's building a reactor, whatever it is, we're all ultimately interdependent. Having that experience and understanding that is, is a key aspect. And it, you know, it doesn't get talked about enough, the impact of gospel, this type, this, this mm -hmm. conflict mm -hmm. and how it negatively impacts yeah. culture and it impacts safety and it does all that stuff. So yeah. thank you for, uh, for wrapping that up for me. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting when you have gossip, it's, um, it's, it's akin to a palliative care, right? It helps to um, meet a few needs in the moment, but it really never resolves the problem. It's a very palliative process here. I want to say one last thing when it comes to this, because you've, you've brought up a really powerful point, once again, about, well, Jeff's not going to listen, right? And wanting yeah. that receiving. And it goes down to how do we define change? We don't impose change on other people. Right? We don't convince them, we don't manipulate them, we don't put pressure on them. We can do those things, but true sustainable change is something that we invite, we encourage, we inspire, and we give opportunity for. And what you were asking of Mark to Jeff, you say, hey, you need to have a meeting with him. right? And you need to encourage him to understand the dynamics that are in play, and you want to invite him to be able to restore your relationship. And then you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Whether or not you think he's going to buy into it or not, we have to give opportunity for it to occur. So you can't just at the first roll of Jeff's eyes go, ah, I knew it. I saw that cue. I knew you were going to end up being that way. And all of a sudden you back out of it and then you just dump it. That's, that's not doing it. What it's saying is that, yeah, you're going to have this agreement. You're going to have this understanding with Jeff. And now over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to uphold that agreement, right? I'm going to show structure, consistency, and predictability on how I communicate with you, how I engage you, and how I interact with you in front of other people so people start realizing their safety in this relationship. Not just, I told you my story, so you better buy into it 100%, and if you don't, I'm going to go back to talking to you on the phone, right, or to other people about you. Yeah, that's the great divide. And, I, yeah. you know, one of the things I really want to impress upon Mark is that because uh, both individuals are good guys. There's, yeah. It's so far out of character for sure. both of them for, do, for doing this. That's why I said, why are you behaving this way? Why would you do that to yeah. your buddy? Yeah. You know him, you worked together yeah. for years. Yeah. You know? And then when he said, well, he, taught, he does that about other people. And I said, it's kind of like a mm. virus. Mm. The more you smear it around, the more you spread around, just worse. It just erodes the culture. That's right. And that's, that's right. why I had to impress upon him about safety. I mean, yeah. really, you two guys are acting like children. Mm -hmm. And the group is depending on you guys to guide safety. Yeah. Yeah. It is like a virus that contaminates. It's a, the word for it is it's, it's pernicious. There Something you go. is, when it's viral and it's kind of contaminating things, we refer to it in the clinical world as being pernicious, right? Because I it don't just, know what that means. So you're going to have to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've already said it. I just put the other word to it. You've already said it, right? Okay. It's like this, this, this negative viral sorts of things that starts infecting um, other relationships, right? It just spreads and becomes ever present. Right, this kind of dark cloud, and we would refer to that cloud as being this pernicious cloud because it is becomes viral, right? This negativity that just keeps on perpetuating itself within that environment. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that story. It's fantastic. It works works really well with what we're talking about, and I think it's really relatable. So thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you too, bro. And we'll do it again. Uh, yeah.
Hi guys, my name is Jim Watson, aka The Construction Guy. And one of the things I like about this podcast in particular is that we want to support a positive culture, not only for individuals, but the company itself. Mm -hmm. And as you've probably figured out by now, I love stories. I love telling my stories, but also love hearing stories. And if you feel like sharing your stories with us, we would love to hear it. But I'd ask you to keep the names, the places, the you know, we just want to hear the situation and uh, we'll have the good doctor here dissect it mm -hmm. and uh, give you a point of view from a clinical uh, way. It'd be great to be able to hear from people and we also want you to recognize that your individual experiences, we don't necessarily know all the details with it. We're describing stories, we're hoping it's relatable to you and we're also hoping that it gives you a level of comfort and an opportunity to continue this conversation with somebody else, right? So if you want to talk with your, your colleagues or your, your supervisor or your family or friends, find local resources to continue this conversation because I feel that this is a, a great opportunity to be able to move yourself forward and to be able to expand. At the end of the day, our wellness cannot be something we keep secret. We have to educate others as to what we need and want in order to ultimately be successful. Exactly. Communication is key. Talking it out. Excellent. Right on. Right. Really want to thank you guys for watching, taking your time to pay attention to us, banter back and forth. Look forward to hearing how you've uh, manifested your flow, how you've been able to do your act of wellness, and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you at some point. Have a good one.